welcome to Dripcast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment for the voiceless traveler. I am Michael Gordon Bennett, and I am joined as always by my partner in crime, Dave Cumberbatch. Dave, here we are, last week of July, and there's a conversation going on in a lot of dinner tables across America. Do you send your child back to college? And if so, how do you get them there? How do you, do they travel by air? or do you drive them? Or do you make them stay at home and see if their college offers virtual travel? Uh, This is a loaded question. It's a very good question. I don't have any kids in college right now, but I have a granddaughter who's in college and I've got an anxiety about it. You know, the parents uh, seem to be a little more controlled in terms of their feelings about it. But for me personally, as as a grandfather, I've got a lot of anxiety about it. Well, uh, we're going to get a little bit of a uh, firsthand look into this dilemma with our guest today. He actually has three daughters. I believe one of his daughters has already graduated from college, but the other two are scheduled to report soon. And as a matter of fact, I think he just drove one of them down to Florida just this past weekend to get her uh, academic year started. So we'll introduce him in just a moment. But before I do, let me take care of a few housekeeping notes as I do at the beginning of every show. As we mentioned in our show opening, we are a show for the voiceless traveler. So if you have some great travel stories out there that you would like to share with us and potentially be on our podcast, you can email those stories to us at contact at tripcast360.com. That's contact at tripcast360.com. We're also, uh, this podcast is also on all of your favorite uh, um, outlets, uh, iTunes, Uh, Apple Podcasts, I think is what they call it nowadays, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. So we're on all of them. So please uh, tune in, subscribe, share with your friends. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And our website is tripcast360.com. And in about two weeks, we are going to introduce uh, our newsletter signups where you will uh, be able to not only follow our podcast, but we'll have things like travel deals and and other things germane to the travel and tourism space that would be of interest to you. So without further ado, let me get my main road dog up in here. His uh, Vince Mickens and I go back gosh, decades. Um, He was heavily entrenched in the world of television, producing special projects covering award shows like the Oscars, the Emmys, and the Grammys, as well as developing niche TV pilots. An interesting fact back then, Vince used to commute by airplane around Los Angeles County for business meetings as a way to avoid traffic on the 405. And if anybody has ever been to Los Angeles, you know about the 405. I refer to it as the 405 parking lot. Vince has his own boutique aviation media and marketing firm, the Private Air Media Group, which is based in Maryland and is the executive director of the Bob Hoover Legacy Foundation after an eight-year stint with the National Business Aviation Association in Washington, D.C., and four years at the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. After studying broadcast journalism and serving in U.S. Navy intelligence, Vince began a 27-year radio and television career that spans six major markets. It has been 46 years since Vince began learning how to fly at Lampert St. Louis International Airport, check this, while still in high school. Vince, welcome to the program. Hey, Mike, welcome. Thank you very much. I can't believe I'm going welcome to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've been down this path a few times before. Um, Absolutely. You know, in the interest of full disclosure, Vince and I also were developing a travel uh, TV show several years back. Um, we did. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we were doing a high-end travel uh, uh, show, and we are uh, we're talking about uh, private jets. Vince managed to 
to hook us up with a couple private jet terminals and we were we were we were in it quite yeah. frankly we, we were in it and uh, as with everything else with production things sometimes go good and bad and uh you know unfortunately the recession bit us and a few other things but it was a great show and it was actually, a lot of fun and we we did the i think one of the most fun part was the auditions that we did <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we had some doozies. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to let that one slide too because we did have some doozies, and I don't want to embarrass anybody on uh, on a podcast. <laughs> we also had we had some very good talent, but we had some. You know, it was Los Angeles. What you gonna do? Yeah, you know, everybody's an actor or a broadcaster in LA. I don't care who you are. Everybody's got a script, that's for sure. Oh gosh, man! I used to have my office literally had Dave. You you'll get a kick out of it. I had so many scripts on the floor in my office I couldn't walk you were talking about our friend earlier man there was just everybody's got a script 99% of them were garbage yeah yeah well the funny part was so at, at the at the jet center that we one of the jet centers that we were shooting at um I don't I don't even know if you and I talked about it but the manager of that jet center pulled me aside at some point during the shoot and he says you know I'm working on a script <laughs> you did tell me that I remember that I, I was like yeah you and everybody else <laughs> no, I didn't say that to him but <laughs> but I may have <laughs> you did tell me that I think it was at the one in Long Beach that's um, correct. That's the one. Yep. I remember the yeah. guy. I, I still yeah. have his face. Don't know his name, but I remember the guy. And yeah, he did offer you a script. Yep. He sure yeah. did. And he followed yeah. up. He sent me an email and anyhow, there wasn't anything I could do for him. I didn't have that kind of connection, <laughs> no. but I just thought it was funny because here he was totally entrenched in the aviation world, but he's like, I got a script. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Well, Vince, you've got your daughters and college, one going to Florida one going to New York. Yes. I can only imagine what you and your wife must have been talking about sitting around the table with your girls trying to figure out how to navigate getting, not only getting them back to school, but even having the discussion about whether they should go back to school. Yes, we, we did. So it was quite a process. And, and I actually related to what Dave said, because we're we're in that at that point right now where we're comfortable with her being there, but we're also... Um, a, a little bit anxious about the whole situation because Florida is a hot spot. And, um, you know, we, we had to make a few decisions along the way. So the first thing we did was we, I mean, she did a good job of paying attention to what the school was telling her as a student, but we were also in communication with the school. We were in communication with all the way up to them having a Zoom every week by the president for the last couple of weeks and, and us talking to the residents folks and just making sure that we felt comfortable with the processes of the school regarding COVID-19. And I have to say, after particularly after all of the things that we've been hearing about, that we've been impressed by her school and the way that they've been handling things. And, and I, could, I could say that goes across the board to other schools that we aren't personally associated with, but we know about, it's the same thing. Some of them have done a great job of really being thorough with their review of the situation. And then with the, I think the key thing, for example, for my daughter's school in Florida was offering us uh, options. So she was, she had, we had options and she had options in the sense that 
and, and this seems to be kind of going across the board now with some schools, some universities, and that is you can either do 100% online, you can do a hybrid where you can do some online and some in person, which then means you're going to be on campus, or you can, um, uh, well, the third option they have backed off on now, and that was to do everything in person. But they're not really offering that right now because things have, have stepped up. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's been a bit of a process, but um, so far so good. I mean, we just got her there um, and got her checked in. So a couple of the things that, and I don't know if you, if you wanted to just ask me some questions, but a couple of the things I can share with you right off the cuff is that um, at her school, and I've heard this happening at other schools, including my daughter's school in New York, is that they're only having one student per room. Wow. So instead of them sharing and having a roommate, it's one student per room. Now, depending on the school, that can be pretty much a challenge because at some point you're going to run out of room. But it also depends on how many kids are are choosing to just uh, do online 100% from home versus, you know, students that want to do the hybrid um, where they may do one or two classes in person and the rest of them online, you know, one or two classes online and that type of thing. Uh, in her case, uh, the situation is a couple of classes in person with with major restrictions as to how many kids can be in the classroom. Uh, you know, it's a university. So, you know, they have lecture halls and stuff like that. So they kind of look at things yeah. a little differently, but they still deal with uh, physical distancing or social distancing and things like that. But uh, in the in the dorms, um, it's one person per room. And then there's, they're very strict about certain requirements related to um, the, the bathroom facilities, even the kitchen facilities, you know, where they have uh, a, a, a range, I want to say a stove, <laughs> that shows my age. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but, a, but a range and, and, others, and microwave and all that kind of stuff. And there are, there are restrictions with that or, or protocols, I should say, with mm-hmm. that too. What are some of the questions that you had, though, before you spoke to the school? What are some of those detailed questions? You, you answered some, some of them in, in Michael's questions, but yeah. were there any other concerns that you had? Yeah, um, so I guess the main, first of all, I'm a typical dad. So I worry about stuff, but not like a mom does. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so, so my You're wife in trouble. Was, You're in trouble. She was on it like white on rice, man. She's like <laughs> every detail. But the main question we had was how they would, um, what protocols they had in place, and how they would mitigate certain situations. So to answer your question, Dave, which is a really great question, is we even asked them because of being in Florida, what happens if there's a hurricane? You know, what's going to be the procedure with that? Because normally, depending on on the where the hurricane is going to hit, um, they may have to evacuate the school. So if you have to evacuate the campus, how does that work? Uh, and that type of thing. Um, the other big part was the residential living. And that's when we found out that it was going to be one per room. And, and in our daughter's case, she happens to be in one of the residences where she only has to share the bathroom with one other person, where in some residences there may be, say, eight or ten on a floor, uh, which normally there would be 16 or 19, uh, um, 16 or 18 on a floor uh, or somewhere along those lines sharing, you know, one or two bathrooms. In her case, she only has to be concerned about 
you know, the, the other person, because it's kind of a roommate setting. So there's a bathroom in between the room. So that that was fortunate. Right. But to answer your question, yes, the residence part and emergency procedure part. Um, the third piece of that is if there is an issue uh, with um, an outbreak or something like that, what's going to be the procedure with that? What kind of relationship do they have with the medical center nearby? the hospital uh, and things like that. So we're pretty thorough about it. My wife's even more thorough than I am. So um, we, we kind of covered a lot of bases and, and we had a, we had a good little talk with our daughter about, um, you know, yes, we're, we're, we're going to say, okay, about you going back, but you really have to be on top of things and pay attention to the procedures and things like that. Um, the other question we had was what kind of testing would they do in terms of COVID-19 testing, how often and things like that. And, and they did answer that. The first thing was, so when we arrived, we had to, um, um, take a, the temperature test on the forehead. Um, and then we were, she was given her keys and we were allowed to go ahead and do the move-in and that type of thing. Uh, I believe either today or tomorrow, she actually takes a COVID-19 test. I don't know what the turnaround is on it. I think it's pretty quick um, based on how they've set it up and that type of thing. They'll probably know within a few days. And, you know, assuming she passes that test and she continues to be able to remain there, if not, uh, they have either a quarantine procedure, they have a quarantine procedure, yeah, because you don't want her traveling or anything knowing that she has it. So then they go into, she would go into a 14-day quarantine. Sounds like it was a pretty thorough uh, a process. And that uh, uh, question you asked, I would have never thought to ask this, is the hurricane question. And yeah. Hur- Hurricane Hannah, which happened down in Texas just this past weekend, um, you know, when people go to evacuation centers, they evacuate uh, in bulk. They go to a big gymnasium or a big building. And, you know, if it was a major population center, you've got several hundred thousand people, you know, all packed on top of each other. That that was a, a brilliant question. I don't know if it was you or your wife who came up with that, but it was brilliant. Since you used the term brilliant, it came from me. No, no, no it, it was actually my, my wife and I both thought of it. And I'll tell you why, because they had a hurricane last last um in the fall semester of last year. Uh, If you guys remember, a hurricane struck Florida on the northern eastern shore part, actually coming right through the northern part of Florida. But anyhow, they had a hurricane and they decided to do a partial evacuation and all of that, and we had to deal with it at that time. It worked out, but it was one of those things where you know, you, 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 you think of a lot of things for school. You don't think, Oh, what if there's a hurricane? <laughs> so yeah, you really don't think about that. Yeah. Um, you had to make a decision about air travel or driving your daughter to yes. school. And I uh, took the liberty of looking up how far it is approximately from your house to your daughter's university. It's 900 miles one way. And somehow or another, you managed to accomplish that trip in three days. Yeah. So (laughs) let me back up a little bit. Uh, We decided early on that if she was going back, we were not flying her down. Uh, There's two reasons for that. The main reason was because we just felt that there's still a, a, a significant risk on being on the airlines and we didn't want to for her to take that risk and we didn't want to take that risk. And then you, you, you end up having to do the quarantine or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. The other reason was, is that 
if anybody knows about taking kids back to school, you usually have to take a bunch of stuff with you. Right. And it's usually more than a suitcase or two. <laughs> so, so especially so, if it's a girl. It's yeah, especially if it's a girl. Now, most of her stuff was in storage, you know, down by the school, but we still had stuff that she had acquired or wanted to take with her and things like that. So we still ended up, you know, doing it, which brings up another thing too. It, it's like, um, on a quick trip, quick, long round trip like that. Do you take your own SUV or do you take, do you rent a vehicle? We decided to rent a vehicle and we decided it for two reasons. One, we just didn't want to put that wear and tear, but we also needed a good sized vehicle. So uh, we, we chose a minivan and, you know, I, I have to give it for a minivan. Minivans still work when you, <laughs> when you got to load up. But the other thing we did is, is we took her, her sisters with us too. So we had a full load with her stuff and the family basically. But that was also a great trade-off for being able to rotate the drivers. And, and so for a 12 hour, 12, 13 hour trip, when you're rotating it amongst, you know, four or five drivers, it, it's a whole different ball game. So I guess you trust them. Well, I didn't say all that. I just, <laughs> I just said that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we did. No, they're, they're actually all good drivers. You know, they make you a little nervous. Um, you know, you, I usually like to sit co-pilot or right seat up front so I can, you know, say, hey, yeah. slow it down. Hey, yeah. watch that my, truck in front of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, no, seriously, though, the, 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 so the drive was the most effective way to do it. The other part of driving as a family in a, in a vehicle is, you know, you can control your stops and can control your exposure. Mm -hmm. So we had, this is going to sound maybe over whatever, but we had plenty of, um, of the, what do you call it? The, Oh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. The wipes and Dobbs all the sanitation equipment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. We had all of that stuff. We had plenty of it. So if we had to stop uh, to to use the facilities or whatever the case may be, we made sure we even brought our own roll of toilet paper. So you know, <laughs> we, we're like, you know, we're not touching anything we don't have to, <laughs> and we're gonna you. have plenty of uh, of stuff to to wipe off any germs. So you know, we just took. Those kind of precautions brought uh, a lot of our own water and, and food and snacks mm -hmm. just to minimize contact. Right. Um, and what we did see, and you guys aren't really asking for this, but I'll share it with you on the drive down and the drive back. We saw a lot of people not social distancing. We saw a lot of people not using face mask. Um, yeah, it was mixed. There were some people that were, but we saw a lot not. And I even had the experience of having, of being like, we, we had to do that. You know how you think you have everything and then you get there and then after you unpack and then your daughter says, oh, well, I need such and such. And it's like, okay, over to Walmart or Target, right? And in this case, we went to Walmart and I, you know, actually, I'd say 95%, maybe 90%, 90% of everybody had face masks on, but there were always a few that didn't. And, man, and in Walmart, it's mandatory, but people yeah. seem to be wanting to make this statement like, oh, if I don't want to wear a face mask, I'm not going to wear one. Yeah. The funny part was having them look at you like almost like they're daring you to say something, you know, and 
I just would look back and think, well, you know, if you want to be stupid, that's your business. (laughs) I'm not going to concern myself with it. And I'm not going to get in a a thing with you about it. Go ahead and be stupid. Now, excuse me while I walk past you further away. Right. (laughs) Did you have any conversations with your daughter? Because you you mentioned exposure uh, a while ago. Did you have any conversations with your daughter in terms of what does she do if you just said some people are just stupid? You want what world they're living in but yes. how about if she's in college and she sees other college students just walking around no gloves no masks just being reckless did you have conversations with her in terms of how she should handle a situation like that well you know Dave that's good yes we we did actually we we talked to her about it um and and we told her to just use her good judgment uh with regard to it in other words um if she felt compelled to do it, we recommended that she could say, you know, do it in the sense of, hey, did you forget your mask or did you forget to put it on um, and that type of thing uh, and not make a confrontation of it. But I've got to say, tell you from the other perspective, her particular school, and, and I think this applies to a few of the universities, some of these universities are pretty strict. And they've got their public safety officers and their campus um, administrators walking and riding the campus. And if they see you not following protocol, they will pull the kid up on it. They'll pull the student up and they'll even, you know, if 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 the student wants to be defiant, that student will probably pretty quickly get kicked out of the school. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think to answer your question, Dave, I think it also part of it has to do with the, the atmosphere of the school, the discipline of the school, uh, the mentality of the, of the administration at that school and things like that, that play a a major role in making sure um, that, that the students behave appropriately for the circumstances. You know, I I would have, you sent your, this daughter to arguably the um, hottest spot in the nation for coronavirus right, right now, Florida. You sent her right into the belly of the beast, for uh, for lack of a, a better metaphor. And then, yeah, and then you've got, <laughs> then you've got. I'm assuming you're going to drive your other daughter to New York, which was the previous hot spot in the country where, where we can, I don't want to say this all started because it didn't start in New York, but mm-hmm. uh, the idea is, is that at least New York it is flamed up in New York. The yeah, quickest. yeah. At the quickest. And I'm assuming based on this conversation, you're driving her as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the good news about that is it's a much shorter drive. But um, yes, uh, flying is just not an option, uh, period, right now, even from my perspective for for business, et cetera. Uh, I'm just staying off the airlines for a minute. And I've talked to some of my colleagues in aviation. And if we can't go via a private jet uh, or a private aircraft, uh, most of us are passing on even taking a chance on the airline. And, you know, now I've I've known, in fact, you're a great example. You just flew commercially a couple of weeks ago and you're fine and you guys haven't had any issues um, and that type of thing. And I've known a few other people that do the same thing that have flown cross country and haven't had any issues. And I would consider them, you know, fortunate that they just didn't contract the virus, uh, I'm not ready to take that chance yet. 
So if I don't, I was scared. To, not, I, I'll be honest with you. I was scared. <laughs> yeah. If it's not essential, I'm not doing it. Uh, so New York, uh, talking about that for the school purposes, um, it's a good example of things are a little different. So we're having the same communications with the school and there's similar things that the school is doing, uh, such as one person per room, et cetera, and so forth. Um, but they are uh, they're starting a little later in terms of um, the check in for the students. So we still have a couple of weeks to go uh, to see how things play out. Um, New York's in good shape. If it stays that way, then I think I think we're going to be similar or even maybe better than Florida um, in terms of the school stuff. Um, but if if for some reason there's a change, then it's kind of the same thing. I, and I have to go back to something that, that Dave kind of referred to. I just think we, we're counting on whatever we taught our children <laughs> to use their good judgment and their good sense. And, you know, I won't say don't be stupid, but don't be stupid. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell a young college student that but yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, you know, sometimes it's good for a parent to almost be that blunt. And because yeah. they'll remember that quicker than when you're trying to be polite. Yeah. I'm so. glad you said that because my, my experience has been, uh, my experience here in New York has been that younger folks look at this virus, <laughs> you know, not the same way as we older folks look at it. Yes. Um, I find that they'll go to the gas pump and it'd be quite cool not to wear gloves. I go to the supermarket, they're pushing the hand carts and they're not wearing any gloves. Right. And I don't know if it's a sense that they think that because they're much younger than we are, that maybe they wouldn't contract the virus, even though the numbers now are beginning to show that a certain percentage of younger people do get infected. Did you have that discussion as well with your daughter in terms of exposure? Yes, we do. And, uh, you know, our, our, our girls are no different than anybody's kids. Um, kids have a tendency to think that they're invincible. And they think that, you know, things can roll off their back. I was totally disgusted when I heard that some people had a COVID-19 party. Party. Mm. You know, and I thought, um, that's kind of crazy to say the least, but f to do that and, and know that you're, you know, exposing yourself, um, is, is just kind of ridiculous. Yes. We've talked to our daughters about it. Um, and, and the way we talk to them about it is we actually will point out some specific examples that we've read about or seen in the news and say, this is what happens when you don't take the precautions that are, that are going to, you know, and, and, you know, I have to say, maybe we're fortunate in that sense, but our daughters seem to get it. So they, they seem to understand it. They're a little frustrated that they can't go and hang out the way they like to and go with their friends to the little, you know, do the little restaurant hangouts and, and the things that, you know, the, the younger generation really crave, although I've seen our generation crave it too, yeah. <laughs> but, but they really crave and they really like it. They, they like that socializing and that type of thing. And so that's a little tough for them, but even things like, um, you know, does it make sense to go swimming in a swimming pool, you know, and things like that. So you can say, yeah, the chlorine or, or whatever along the chlorine lines that's used in the pool 
will kill most viruses. I believe they say it will kill COVID-19, but does that apply when you're walking on the deck? Does it apply when you're going in the, the, uh, the dressing room or shower room to, to change to, you know, in or out of your suit, you know, you're touching sinks and showers and, and lockers and, you know, so there, there's other ways that it could be transmitted, um, beyond just being in the pool itself. So we've had that conversation with them and they get that and they've responded positively to it in the sense that they, they're willing to uh, recognize it and, and, and address it properly. So um, yes, I, I think, Dave, I think you're, what you're talking about is the conversations that you got to have with your, your kids not always comfortable conversations, but important conversations. Yeah, you, you, you know, we all remember the talk early on when New York virus broke out where the summer heat was supposed to kill off the virus. And uh, you only have to go as far as Arizona to see that that did not happen. Um, so I, I don't think that <laughs> Arizona or Las Vegas or Las Vegas. Yeah. Any any tropical area should not have the virus if that were true. That's, right. That's true. I, I, I mean, it's a, it was 120 degrees in Phoenix yesterday. Uh, I mean, and they've been in this mode of 120 plus for almost uh, five or six weeks now. And yeah. the cases and, and there exploded. They're one of the, yeah, they're yeah. off the charts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in Vegas. That's a sauna. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm living in Vegas. When, when we started this call at 10 a.m., it was 97 degrees here already. We're, we're, uh, we have high heat warnings here today. It's supposed to be 110. Um, but our cases are rising, not as precipitously as Arizona's or Texas or California for that matter, but they are going up. Um, our governor, mentioned yesterday that he is going to allow some bars to stay open. Uh, I'm like, dude, what are you thinking? You know, I, I, the only place I go out of my house is to the grocery store. And I try to keep that down to once a week. And uh, Dave knows this. I bought a bike a couple, about a month and a half ago now. And I ride four days a week by myself out in the middle of nowhere before the sun comes up. So I'm not exposed to anybody. Other than that, I don't walk out of my house. I'm, I'm just, it's me. And I, I realized that all three of us are probably in that age group where, uh, you know, some bad things could happen if we wound up contracting this. Exactly. Hey, uh, hey, I was going to joke with you and say I'm very young, but that's okay. Yeah, well, I'm going to spoil this right now. I know, I know you have a birthday coming up Saturday, so let me get my early happy birthdays in. We won't tell yet. We won't tell anybody how old you are. Thank just, you. Just know this: I'm the baby of the group. <laughs> and Dave is the old man of the group because you were actually younger than Dave. Oh, so I'm a so I'm a middle child now. You're the middle child. Yeah, you, yeah, you got left out. <laughs> you got the hey, table scraps at the table. Hey Vince, I'll 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 tell you something on the lighter side. As mentioned, you know, we discuss serious issues, but we have fun in the process. Yes. And from your conversation, it seems that you had some very good conversations with your daughters about COVID. Is there any conversation that you can have with my co-host, who is six feet four, (laughs) he is almost 300 pounds, and he lives in a city that the temperature hovers around 100, 102. Is there any advice that you can give to my co-host? 
So, um, what advice would you want me to give? <laughs> the, 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 there is a get horror the, movie get called the heck Get out, out of Dodge. Maybe I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, you know, he used to live in Southern Cal, and uh, and I'd like to think, Mike, you you kind of miss Southern Cal. Oh, I, I especially oh, he does. He does. To I, the I, desert I, weather of Las Vegas. This is this is the only place you'll get a kick out of this. This is the only place I've ever lived in my life where my hair, which is naturally wavy and curly, does not wave and curl. <laughs> it, it is so, well, I, that I, ought to be that ought to be some incentive right there to get get out of there. Uh, I'm trust head, me. head west, young man. Head west. <laughs> trust trust me. After 26 years in Southern California, to have to come here, and I didn't come here by choice. Obviously, my mom got sick, but to have to, to come here and actually have to live here, no, I, I'm not having it. And my sister, who does live here, I told her the other day, I said, "You better make plans because brother's gone. I'm going back home. Uh, th- this this heat is unbearable." I, I mean, Vince, I woke up, I rode my bike last. Saturday or Sunday at 6 a.m. It was 91 degrees. I believe it. I believe it. We've actually had that weather across the country. Uh, So, you know, I can almost, almost empathize with you. But no, yesterday it was 97 here. And in the morning before it got up to 97, it was about um, 80. 85 or something like that. That's really hot here yeah. on the, on the East coast. So yeah. Yeah. You, and you got humidity to go with it. I, I want to, um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the interview we did with Dr. Bidnerick uh, from uh, the university of Dayton last week, but long story short, you're, you're an aviation expert. I'm just going to call you an aviation expert. Um, is there anything that you can see the airlines doing post COVID to get people to come back to travel. I mean, after 9-11, as Dr. Bittnerick mentioned, we already had some infrastructure in place. We can move a magnetometer into an area and, and we can restrict going to the gate unless you were a passenger. Those technologies existed. Today, we have nothing for this. And yet somehow or another, we've got to figure out a way once this is all over, and it may take another year or two before that even happens to instill confidence in air travel again. Yeah, you know, that's a great question, especially for someone like, by someone like myself, who personally uh, is uh, you know, shying away from, from traveling by, by the airlines. But if I had to go, uh, there are certain things that I think are important. I think one of the things that the airlines have to have to really deal with right now is the age of their equipment, because Mm -hmm. the newer aircraft have really excellent ventilation systems on them. The older aircraft have the old fashioned just circulate. You know, so z- circulate the germs. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, a lot of people don't think about it, but if a couple of people get on an airplane with a code, um, by the time that, especially if that's a long flight, by the time that four or five hour flight is over, there are going to be people that are going to show symptoms of a cold within the next day or two. And it's going to be from that flight because of the poor circulation in the aircraft. So one of the biggest challenges, if not the number one challenge for any airline is their aircraft and the sophistication of their ventilation. Sophistication being uh, systems that can uh, circulate some outside air in, which is a challenge because outside air is, you know, usually 50 or 60 degrees below zero at altitude. Um, 
And the other part is the filtration system. You know, if, if it's got a good filtration system in the ventilation system, then that, that can alleviate a lot. Um, the, their other big challenge is just behavior. Yeah. Passengers, you know, we all fly on, on, on airline flights and we, we know how to behave. We know how to do what you're supposed to do, but there are a lot of passengers that just don't, they don't care or they don't have a clue or both or whatever the case may be. And they're the ones that put us at risk. So, and they're not any different than the people that you see not wearing a mask in a restaurant or a store or whatever the case, the same mentality. I don't have to wear one. What do I need to wear one for? You know, and they're basically thinking about themselves because if they were thinking about others then they would want to help prevent others from, from catching the, that the COVID-19 or any other, any other right. virus. So yeah. I think, I think those are the, the number one challenges. Uh, the other part I'm going to mention, and this is just my perspective as, as both a pilot and passenger, and that is let's be real. Yeah. It might be nice to have, a seat or two between you and another passenger, but inside of a tube, it's not really making a big difference. You can Dave, be, Dave, Dave has been saying this for months. You can be in row 10 and, and the next closest person be in row 12. And therefore you say, Oh, we've got some distance between us. Yeah. But in a tube, not really, you know, so, so the, so the physical distancing is, is uh, the reality of that is no matter what the airlines do. And I, you know, the airlines are going to say stuff because they want to be politically correct and they want to try to make everybody that they want to be a passenger happy. But the reality of it is, is you really can't do physical distancing in the aircraft. It's got to be the mask and it's got to be good ventilation uh, those are the primary things that'll make this difference. And the third piece is, is people just have to be respectful of, you know, the requirements so that they lessen the possibility of infecting somebody or getting infected with the virus by hand sanitizer, which is the word I was trying to think of half hour ago. Um, <laughs> that Now that'll tell how old I am. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're, we're not touching this. I still got Dave on the call, so you're safe. <laughs> I didn't bring Dave into it. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> Anyhow, so I hope that answers your questions about the, the airlines from no, that no, perspective. No, it, it did. And I think the scariest thing for me about the one 45-minute flight I took wasn't the airline. I kind of figured out what was going on with the airline. And Dave has been saying for months, and, uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm six foot four. My wingspan, I can touch the window from the aisle seat and reach across and touch into the second row on the opposite side. You know, I, I got a, almost a seven foot wingspan. So that, that little tube doesn't matter. But the scariest part for me. So you was, can actually fly if you really wanted to yourself. I could just fly. You know. <laughs> just fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, go ahead. I'm sorry. Give, give me a couple of vodkas and I may tempt that. But um, <laughs> um, the scariest part of the whole travel experience for me, uh-huh. airline aside, was at the gate. Right. Because I took a picture of the departure board when I left LAX. There were 18 flights on Southwest Airlines all scheduled to depart or arrive within a two-hour window. Mm-hmm. So what's that, what's that mean? When I got to the airport, uh, Dave saw the picture. I was the only person in the terminal. By the time our flight left an hour and a half later, the terminal was packed. There's right. no way anybody could have social distanced anything. And you've been to LAX. Uh, yeah. You know how, how hard it is to distance in that terminal one. 
Yeah. Well, the other pro- problem in the terminals, too, again, people are not putting on masks coming into the terminal. True. So they, they won't put on a mask until they get to the gate. Well, you're kind of defeating the purpose. If you don't enter the terminal with a mask on, you know, and by the way, uh, I just uh, we just took somebody to Baltimore, Washington International, BWI, and it wasn't very busy. Because uh, it was a Sunday afternoon, which was mind blowing. Because usually that's a really busy time, and it wasn't very busy at all. But we saw employees with no mask on that were coming in and out of the terminal, and we're I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you know, BWI needs to step it up because uh, in terms of requiring making that a requirement, because you know it, it defeats the purpose. I have to say this to you guys: Dave likes us to lighten it up, so I'm gonna lighten it up for something that I think is really <laughs> funny, and that is people that wear a mask but keep it under their nose. <laughs> Don't put the right. mask on. That's you right. Know, if you're not going to wear it properly, then you might as well not be wearing one because having your nose, what is this, a fashion statement? I have to show yeah. my nose. You know, really? <laughs> or I can't breathe, so I'm going to put the mask under my nose. Well, yeah. then, you know, get a better mask or you, you're, you're wasting time wearing one because you're not helping you or us. Yeah. Have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they tell you, don't put your hand in your mouth. Don't touch your nose. Right. And don't wipe your eyes. Right. Now, what I do is that I wash my glasses every time because you can't put the mask, obviously, over your eyes. So uh, just as often as I wash my hands, <laughs> I wash my glasses. So that, that brings up two things. And I know we're, we're, we're um, about to run out of time, but I do. That brings up a couple of important things. One of them is what you just said about if you are working because you're an essential employee or you're, you're doing something where you're in uh, an environment that you may get contaminated when you come home to your house, your apartment, especially if you have family there, particularly if you have family, whether it's wife, kids, grandmother, grandparents, whatever, that, that is really important for you to take that in consideration. Uh, we know some people working in hospitals every, you know, every day, every other day or whatever. And that's what they do when they get home. They don't go in the house. They go through the garage. They strip. If they have the, the luxury of being able to do that and still go in the house without, you know, making a scene to the neighborhood, um, <laughs> they do that. And, and then they go straight and take a shower. And those clothes are left in the garage that are going to then get washed, you know, and those are the kind of precautions. And we know some people that have been doing that for months and they haven't brought one thing home as a result right. of that. The other thing I'll touch on uh, real quickly is is the psychological impact. And I think that you could you could go across the board with it in terms of how this has impacted, how the COVID-19 has impacted people psychologically in terms of losing family members, friends, um, dealing with people being sick and not being able to be physically close to them um, and things like that. And I want to to shift it to something in reference to uh, students in school. So it is a psychological or mental factor for a kid to want to go back to school, but also have that fear that they could be susceptible to catching the COVID-19. And how are they dealing with that. Going back to a question Dave asked earlier, I think a lot of it has to do with the conversation they have with their parents or their yeah. whoever's taking care of them. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we we've had that was part of the conversation with our kids, too, is, you know, how are you feeling about this? Um, and we've we've let them talk to us about friends of theirs that have our kids have had friends that the whole family's gotten COVID had to isolate for a couple of weeks and had to deal with it. Uh, in one case, they were fortunate and nobody had to go to the hospital. Uh, we've heard, you know, positive situations and, and not so positive situations. So I think the psychological impact or the mental impact is something that, that definitely needs to be taken in consideration and, and given thought to and addressed uh, appropriately, um, you know, for for trying to think, make things a little bit more uh, easier yeah. for, for students. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Um, I want to thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you for having me. This, this has been an eye opening experience. I mean, I, I actually wanted to hear it from a parent who's actually had to deal with their children in college. You know, my son is in his senior year, but he lives 20 minutes from his campus. So he doesn't have to get on an airplane. He doesn't have to entertain the thought of, um, of going to campus period because in California, his entire fall semester is virtual. So he didn't even have to walk in the front door. Um, And and like your daughters, I think he probably is going to miss a little bit of the college experience, but uh, you know, his twin, his twin uh, boys turned two yesterday. So I don't think him being, he's not the traditional college student because he's got a family, but uh, I'm very thankful. He doesn't have to get on an airplane to go to school. And I'm also very thankful that he doesn't have to do in-person classroom, but your situation is like probably millions of people out there in America today. who I are believe it, it is. Yeah. Yours yeah. is yours is probably more indicative of what's really happening out there than my son and his family. So um, again, I want to uh, thank you. And for those of you who don't know, Vince Mickens will actually be back in about two weeks. We're going to do another episode on private air travel, something he is uniquely qualified to discuss. So Vince, we look forward to having you back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I, I look forward to it, too. And I, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you guys about the experiences that we parents have to deal with, with, uh, with the, the challenge of uh, continuing our kids' education, but doing it safely. Mm-hmm.